What's today's date? Ah, Estian, you're not supposed to look. <laughs> What's the 12th of the 12th, the 12th of the 12th. Does it have any meaning? Does it have any, any significance? Um, I just recently got a, a present for my birthday, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, it's, a, it's a book that actually explains all the numbers we find in the Bible. And no, I'm not going to talk about numbers this morning, but I just, when I, when I, this morning when I finalized the presentation, I just realized, but it's the 12th of the 12th. So I went and I had a look. And the number 12 refers to governmental perfection, divine government, unity, and completeness. What is interesting to note is the number 12 plus 12 equals 24. The number 24 refers to a higher form of government. The kingdom of God refers to his rulership. 24 also refers to true worship. True worship. A call to put your own interests second and bow before the Lord. Also refers to a promise of God's government that will be established and all will lay down their positions of authority before the throne of God. Where did we find that verse? Revelation 4, 4. What did we learn about double numbers or numbers repeating itself in Scripture? It's something of importance. So Revelation 4, 4 says, the number 24 also refers to the promise of God's government that will be established and all will lay down their positions of authority before the throne of God. The 12th of the 12th. Alright, that was just an introduction. Again, I say it's, it's, it's really a privilege to stand in front and it's great to see you all. Don't take this time for granted. We are here to bring glory to our Lord, to bring Him the honor, and allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. Allow the Holy Spirit to stir within you. So let's start with, with a couple of basic questions. As you can see, um, we've got a, a table in front. I might just move it slightly forward just now, but we've got a table in front. And I'm going to talk about the table this morning. The table. Where do you normally eat supper or dinner? Where do you normally eat supper or dinner? Let's, let's engage. Waar sit jylle en eet aandete? Do you, do you sit somewhere in the lounge, in front of the TV? Do you sit, and I'm just going to use this example, us guys, when we do sit in a chair, there's no way I'll be able to sit and eat with my plate on my lap and keep it there for longer than 30 seconds. Guys don't have a tray. Guys can't sit like this. So, where do you sit and eat? In front of the, in front of the TV, in the lounge, um, or in the kitchen? Let me, let me open up 
a picture for us. Um, I've got a couple of pictures there presenting or showing us where people usually sit and eat. Whether it's in front of the TV, on your lap, or in the kitchen at the counter. Or maybe on your bed in your room. But shouldn't we all sit and enjoy supper together at a dinner table? Does weekends and, and weekdays play a role on deciding what and where to eat? Maybe during the week you might sit at the dining table and over weekends more relaxed in front of the TV. Whom of you remember those proper Sunday lunches? Delicious cooked meal with possibly some dessert included? I mean, look at, look at that. I wonder what we're going to eat this afternoon. But that looks delicious, isn't it? I mean, just look at that. Lekkerflees and aardappels and... I don't know if I'm racist, but it's like a bit of groente groente. But look at this pudding. I mean, man, it looks divine. Those that prepare the dinner at, at the house or at the home, in your house, do you sometimes run out of ideas? I'm going to use our family as, a, as an example. In our family, we have four mouths to feed. And I must admit, the amount me and my son can devour increases that number four to six, at least. My lovely wife, Des, sometimes gets to the point where she just puts her foot down and says, this is it. This is it. She says, ek is nou moeg besluit wat ons gaan eet. Want, want stel ek dit voor, dan sê jy nie, jy eer het nie. En, en stel ek dit voor, dan sê jy weer nie, dit is nie so lekker nie. Can you relate? Those of you that actually prepare dinner for more than just for yourself, it's not that easy. If you think of a table, what comes to mind? Let's start with, with the shape. We get round tables and square tables and, and long tables. And the purpose, if you think about a the purpose for the table, what would that be? It's obviously to sit down and, and eat. But sometimes we use a table to, to have meetings as well, to conduct meetings, to sit and, and discuss important matters. And unfortunately, we don't have the elderly people here. I say elderly people, the, the folks my age and older. Who of you can remember the principal's table in the office? I mean, man, if you call to the principal's office and he, sit, and he invites you to sit down at his table, then you know something serious cooking. What did you do? What's happening? What did you tell your parents discussed with the principal? And then, if you think of a dining table or a dinner table, either formal or informal, what experiences do you recall? What experiences do you recall? I've got a couple of matters or items there listed as experiences. But what's the ervaring that you have sit by your eating tafel? Who can tell me something? 
Dan ja, als jij bij je tafel zit, bij je etenstafel, wat is voor lekker bij die etenstafel? Die? Die kuier. Die kuier. De fellowship. Jelte maar recht. Wie nog? Kom deze. Ik hoor niet. Grappies. Ja, die gezelligheid, die grappies. We just had a, a, a year in function for a discipleship group last week. And we decided we're going to have a braai in the braai room. And we sat up on a picnic table. And we played some games. And we just, we just had a ball. But it was great. We just had a, a wonderful time. So, if we think about a dinner table, what experiences do you recall? Unity. Companionship. There's supposed to be love. There's supposed to be fellowship. Interaction. However, obviously the above will be determined by whom joins you at the table, who sits next to you. If it is people you hold dearly, whom you love, it's so much easier just to let go and be yourself and enjoy their company, isn't it? But what if the people at your table are uninvited guests? Someone you don't need, someone you don't get along with that well. Am I going to use family as an example? So I haven't used family as an example. Just take note. But let's just, you, you might say at that moment with people around you don't, you don't really feel comfortable with, you might get a point to the point of just saying, let's, let's just eat, let's just finish up, let's just go. Does that sound familiar to you as well? If you are invited for dinner, do you first try and establish who's going to be there before you accept the invitation? Going to a wedding as a guest? Let's take it further. Going to a wedding as a guest? Do you try and wangle your way in to sit at the best table with the VIPs? Are you the first one to be there trying to shuffle the name tags around just to ensure that that one doesn't sit next to me. Or maybe at a restaurant, something more familiar possibly. You haven't booked a table, you just arrive, and with your eyes scanning over the tables, you say, no, 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 I don't want to sit there. That they are too loud. Or, no, look, look at that table. Look at the kids. Look at the, how they jump on and over the, the furniture, the table. How can the parents allow that? I'm not going to sit there. Or maybe, no, no, that chair and that table, that's too close to the kitchen. But you know what? This table over here, that's the one I want. It's got the best view, it's got the softest cushions and layout. It's just, that's the best seat. And you call the waiter and say, I want to sit there. And the waiter comes to you and say, sorry sir, that table is reserved for someone else. You can't sit there. And what if... What if you finally sit at the table and your food arrives and you're not happy with the food you get? I've seen people 
eat three quarters of the meal and then basically at the end calls the waiter and says, no, there's something wrong with my steak and sends it back. I want to either refund or I want another one. Have you seen those, those kind of people? Not happy with the food, although they've enjoyed basically everything. Who do you invite to your table? Have you noticed in the Bible there's a pattern of Jesus? Remember we spoke about patterns. There's a pattern where Jesus either goes to a meal or being at a meal or coming from a meal. Have a look. There's this pattern. In Luke 14, we read about the parable of the Great Supper. Jesus refers to the kingdom as a banquet table. Okay, I'm going to be bold now. And I say we, I want us to engage. And obviously, not having a, a full church building filled with all, all the chairs, it's a bit better to pinpoint you and ask you to join me. So, Luan, do you mind coming to the front? Estian, jy lach niet. Can you join me as well? Then, Lani, I'm going to ask you to join me as well. You can just hang there around the speaker. It might be a bit loud, but just hang around there. And then, um, I, want, I want another gentleman, I want another man who's willing to put up your hand. This role is going to present and, and, and mean something and it's going gonna, it's gonna to portray something. Umdara? <laughs> who's going who's gonna to join me on stage? Just a... Ach, come Rian. I'm going to na you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Okay. So, I'm going to hand out a few items as we go along. Thank you, Rian. Lani, if you could just stand in front first, please. I'm going to ask you to hold on to this. Okay? And this. So you're going to use both hands. And I'm going to ask you to try something. Try and keep it as high as possible for as long as possible. Okay? Just like that. Alright. Yellow beard come now. So, let's go to, to Luke 14. In Luke 14, verse 16, we find the following. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Remember, this is not just a lunch or a snack. It was a great supper packed with a variety of delicious food. And he invited many. Verse 17. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, come. For all of, for all things are ready, 
now. For all things are now ready. Dit is nou reg. Ek roep jylle, kom. Die tafel is reg. Jylle moet kom. First of all, who did he send to go and call those who were invited? He sent his servant. Aren't we God's servants and supposed to go out and invite people to his table? Are you one of those invited guests? Are you one of those invited guests? Lani? You're holding up? There's a reason for that. Then, verse 18. Verse 18 says, But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Oh boy, here we go. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. I mean, I mean, really? The ground you bought will be there tomorrow. It's not going to go anywhere. Okay, remember this is a parable. And ground could actually symbolizes or symbolize the church or doctrine. Do you think attending church is enough? Or following a doctrine is enough? Is that what's required? We are called not to hold on to this. Not to hold on to this. But to lay it down and come and have a seat at the table. Now you may relax. Estian, Luan, zal jullie van mij nader staan alsjeblieft. Man, this is heavy. Vigila, wat is die? It's a yoke. You know what it's for? Okay, I'm not going to hold this. I need to stand there. So, Estian, vat jy een kant? En Luan, jy die ander kant? And let's read verse 19. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. This man, or these men, they were invited to a supper. Remember a supper. Wanneer eet ons aand eten? In die aand. So they were invited to a supper. And they declined. And they chose to plow with their oxen in the dark. As I said, remember, this was an invitation to a supper table. Waarmee ploeg jy in die donker? Waarmee ploeg jy in die donker? Estian, Luan, we're going to take it one step further. A yoke is a wooden beam, as you can see, fastened between one or two animals. Jy is nie dier in die hoor, maar net vir illustratie. 
fasten between one or two animals to enable them to pull together on a heavy load cart or a, or a plow, plow. Right. Can you let me on your it? That's it. Come as I come in. You find it out. I lean it to it. Just like that. It's just in a slide. There we go. Go back on laws. <laughs> All right. So the yoke is usually hand-carved to fit the necks and shoulders of the two animals to avoid discomfort and pain. Metaphorically, a yoke in the Bible means hard work. We read in Lamentations 3.27. In other words, it means servitude, slavery or bondage. These chains keep them in bondage. Just as the slavery of the Israelites in Egypt, which we read in Leviticus 26 verse 13. Those men chose to, to be kept in bondage, in chains. They chose to carry the load, the burden alone. Or differently put, they chose to work their way to salvation rather than to come and sit with the one that brought the salvation. In Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Luan, Estian staan jylle gemakkelijk Wat jylle doen? Sta maar nog so rakkie. Alright. Now for the, for the last character to come and play a role. Gentlemen, just stand as you are. Moe nie beweeg nie. En uh, Rian, ek het nie geweer het, gaan, gaan jy wees nie so. Jy gaan vir ons die rol vervul. Daar is nie gif aan nie, dit is een lieflike appel. Kom staan sommer vir ons net hier, hier tussen hulle. What do we see in, in verse 20? Verse 20 says, Still another said, I've, I have married a wife, and therefore cannot come. Why is it that women is always used as, as some sort of excuse. Nee, nee, dit is haar skuld, dit was sy. Dit, dit was sy, dit was nie ek nie, dit was sy. Het slang die appel. Wat so appie. In Genesis 3 verse 12 we read, Then the man, Adam, said, 
the woman Eve, whom you, God, gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And I ate. I mean, come on. Right, back to Luke 14, verse 20. The invited guest chose the flesh over a seed at the table. Don't we find in Revelation 2, and hear me carefully, we read in Revelation 2, a call to return to our first love, Jesus Christ. Then the parable goes on, the story goes on, and we read in verse 21, it says, So that the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed, the injured, the broken, and the lame and the blind. The ones that were supposed to, to come declined the invitation. Decline the invitation after everything has been prepared for them. Then the rejects, the ones that were not worthy according to the worldly standards, they were called to come and sit at the table. We read in verse 22, And the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded. And still there is room. Still there is room. We read in verse 23 and 24 the following, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Hy sê, gaan en gaan haal nog. My huis moet gevul word. Verse 24, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Jongens, dis hard en dis raagheid en dis direk. Those that declines and rejects, rejects the invitation or his invitation will not sit at the table and eat from the supper. Okay, I am going to include you as we go along. So therefore you are allowed to take off the yoke, put it down. You can, yeah, you can leave it there, that's good. And almost like like in a, in a school concert. Let's, let's give these guys applause, of a, applause, a hand of applause. <laughs> you're welcome, you can take your apple with you. You're welcome, you're like, I'm not going to sit by, donkey. As we go on, I will include what we've just witnessed there for us to, to take forward. All right, remember the day when we had the flood just two, three weeks ago? Monday, the 22nd of November. Remember that morning? When, all the, when quite a lot of roads were washed away, houses were underwater, walls that collapsed, schools that closed. 
And by the way, that day was my birthday as well. Isn't it? Yeah, okay. We, um, I'm going to ask you to have a look at this slide. On this slide, I'm not sure if you can see that. It's, it's set with and it's got, it's got beautiful, delicious treats and sweets and cakes and tarts and whatever you can think of, it's on that table. Why am I mentioning this? At work, we have this tradition. On your birthday, you spoil the staff with some cake. So it's your birthday, but you spoil your staff with cake. Everything was prepared. Two savory pastries and three sweet cakes and sweet bakes. We were ready to set the table in the boardroom and invite all to come to the table. But no one was there. No one was there. Why? Our offices closed during the course of the morning due to the flood. So no one was there. That afternoon came and again a table was prepared. I was expecting friends and family to come and sit with me. But no one came. Except for two. But no one came. Taking the events of the day into account, no wonder. But you know why no one came? I didn't invite anyone. I just assumed they will be there. I didn't invite anyone. So again, that afternoon, we prepared everything, we set the table with all these treats. And what a disappointment. No one came. But why am I mentioning this to you is there's beauty in this. God turns everything around. Listen to this. Pondering over the parable just read in Luke 14 about the master that prepared the table and none of his invited guests arrive. No one came. How he must have felt. I mean, he invited them at least. I did not. And even those that were invited, they said, no, we are not interested. Thank you. I'll rather take my ground, my doctrine. I'll rather plow with my oxen, carry my burden alone. I'll rather blame someone else. And taking it a bit further, we are invited guests to the table. Do you know that? We are invited guests to the table. And not just any table. Not to come and eat, and eat birthday cake or a nice supper. We are invited to come and sit and eat from the living bread. Jesus Christ. In John 6 verse 35 we read, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus' body as the bread of life, 
was laid down on a table. The wooden cross. It was broken for you and me. His blood flowed for our sins. We are invited to take a seat at the table where he himself is offered as the supper, the bread of life. Eat from me and you shall never hunger. Believe in me, Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, whom was crucified, whose blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, who conquered death, rose from the dead, and is seated at the right hand of God, and now dwells within every believer. The hope of glory. When I wrote this, I felt this, this eagerness. I felt this, this stir within me. It's almost like a, an announcement, a declaration. Almost like a, like a king's messenger with trumpets and banners and a scroll that's rolled open proclaiming you have all been invited to this table come and take a seat come and come to the table the invitation is for you and for me and for everybody that wants to come and sit down and eat from the living bread Will you accept his invitation to come and sit at the table? The table he has prepared just for you. Will you, will you be the servant going out? Bringing in the, the poor, the injured, the broken, the lame and the blind into the kingdom and invite them to come and take a seat at the table. To come and eat from the bread, the living bread, Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't be like those three men, people we read about in Luke, who turned down the invitation. Please, please don't turn down the invitation. Don't decline it. Nothing should stand in your way except and come and sit at the table. Let us swing it a bit. Let us take it from a different angle. Let us take it a bit further. Do you know, I'm sure you all know Psalm 23. Je moet hem op, op kan sê, je moet hem kan herhaal. Psalm 23 is a psalm written by David. Okay, before we, before we continue, before we read Psalm 23, may I ask this question? Who is your, who is your shepherd? 
Who is your shepherd? To whose voice do you listen to? It's so easy when, we, when, when all is good to give thanks and praise to the Lord. Oh, God is good and He's good all the time. Do you have those moments? You just want to jump up with joy and give praise to the Lord. Why? Everything is just good. But what about through hardships? Through trials and difficult times, through challenges? When things don't work out the way you've planned it. Okay, back to Psalm 23. Remember this psalm is a psalm written by David, as I said. He was a king, a warrior, a leader. But he was also a shepherd back in the day. He faced it all and he experienced how God delivered him through so many things. Let's read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Proverbs, we find this verse that prompts us, that prompts us, know him in all your ways, kenomen all your via. Not just some or when you feel like it, but in all your ways. The song which we sang, the last song which we sang together this morning, I Surrender, it keeps on reminding us, it keeps on inviting us. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. In the beginning of Psalm 23, there's actually an invitation. If the Lord is not your shepherd, we can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to be the shepherd of my life. I want you to be in control of my life. I know that you wants to lead me. And you know what? If we fully commit our lives to Him, if we allow Him to lead, if we allow ourselves to listen to His voice, if we follow Him every step of the way, we will, as David said, we will not want. Remember verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We will always have more than enough. We will not seek or long anything else. Why? Not that we're satisfied in the flesh, but we will have Jesus. You might ask, but, but how? How do, how do I do that? 
How do I listen to his voice? How do I allow him to lead? How do I follow him as my shepherd? I have already accepted Jesus as my Savior, as a Son of God, who was crucified for my sins, who rose from the dead on the third day, and now sits on the right hand of God. How? The answer is very simple. Through relationship. A verhouding, a levende, werkelijke verhouding met ons, met ons Vader. With Jesus Christ. To start to know Him. Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you will find Him on every page of the Bible. You will find Him in the morning when you wake up. You will find Him in every second of the day. You will find Him when you close your eyes at night. In fact, you will find that He has never left or forsaken you. You will find that He is all around you and in you. But the best of it all is, you will find Jesus Christ, the person who said, if you've seen me, you have seen my Father too. You will start to know him more and more. And the more you know him, you will start to love him. You will love him more and more. And the more you love him, the more you will trust him. And from that love, trust, relationship, he will just surrender. And follow his voice as your shepherd. Your thoughts will be replaced by his thoughts. So that his thoughts will become your thoughts. We read in Ezekiel 36 verse 26. I will, and you know this verse. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. My spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Your heart of stone will be replaced with a new heart and will be filled with his heart so that his heart will be your heart. You know what's so beautiful? We read in Matthew 7 verse 7 double numbers again 7 7 we read in Matthew 7 verse 7 something very important seek and you will find seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you verse 8 says he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open but wait, there's more. Back to the table. Do you know there's a couple of verses where we read in the Bible about knocking on doors and doors to be opened. And, but in Revelation 3 verse 20, 
we read, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to, to him and dine with him and he with me. Remember Psalm 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So if I had to ask you, who are your enemies? Niemand wil me nog in die straat omrijden, nie, so ek het seker nie vijanden nie. But take it further. Do you have enemies? Wie is jou, jou vijanden? It might be physical enemies. It might be insecurities. It might be my, my self-doubt. My addictions. My fear, my hurt, my pain, my brokenness what I've lost, the lies, all that you allow that creates separation between you and the Lord. You allow that. All that is not from our Father. The invitation is to come and sit at the table that I have prepared for you in the presence of all your enemies. They are going to watch those enemies, your enemies, they're going to watch, but they're not going to partake in the feast. They are not going to have an, any input, not a vote, not a voice. They will be put to shame. They will not even get the leftovers. In fact, they will watch from a distance as the defeated ones. Then you and the Lord, with Jesus on the one side and the Holy Spirit on the other, will sit down at the table. Bring it a bit closer to home. As a family, we usually enjoy supper at the dining table. Now at the table, I engage in conversation with each of my children. I want to know every little detail of their day. From the moment I drop them off at school, right through the... right through to the time when they arrive back home. What happened with them? What they did? What they enjoyed? Any incidents? The feedback from each of my two children are different. They are each unique in their own way. The last couple of days together at, at our house I I experienced something. We, um, we exchanged the dinner table with something else. We, we sat more frequently in front of the TV. We either ate in separate areas in our rooms, not together anymore. Or, or due to time constraints, we Sometimes just stand in the kitchen, not even sitting, stand in the kitchen counter and quickly eat some sort of takeaway. I came to realize that there was a change in the atmosphere in the house. I lost touch what was going on in my family's lives. 
And I felt a longing for all of us to return to the table. You know what? Our Father Our Father longs for us to come and sit with Him at the table. He wants to invite you. He will, he will even just sit and he, he's going he's to sit on this side and he's going to start in engaging with you and in conversation, ask you how your day was. He wants to have you with him. And don't let your enemies distract you or hinder you from taking that seat at the table. Don't come to the table as a, as a quick drive through like, you know, some of us convince ourselves if we do certain things then we are okay. Like in, um, you just got this invitation and um, the Lord invites you to come and sit and you say, oh no, that's fine Lord, no, no, it's good. Oh wow, you've, you've, you've done something amazing here. Just look at this spread. Oh wow, yeah, you, you mind? I'm going to take this and oh yeah, I like, I like these as well. And you keep on going and going and going and you don't even give the Lord chance to have a conversation with you. You just keep on going and say, you know what, yeah, this is great. And, and uh, sorry, sorry, um, I, I need to go. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. Thank you. And then off you go. Or you like, you, you come to the table and tell the Lord what you want to eat. What you need. As if, as if you sit at a, at a restaurant table, you call the, the waiter, you take the menu, and you tell the waiter what you want to eat. And please be snappy. I don't have all night. When we've accepted the invitation to come and sit at the table in the presence of our Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and yes, in the presence of your enemies, standing there at a distance, may we come with a hunger heart, not for the flesh to be fed, but to come and eat from the living bread, to learn, to be transformed, to be renewed, to fellowship, with a burning desire to get to know Him, to be intimate with Him, to have a living relationship with Him, to love Him and to trust Him, to listen to His voice and to be led by Him as your shepherd. Will you accept His invitation to come and sit with Him at the table and enjoy the feast the living bread which he has prepared just for you and me.